Good morning, everybody. The Bible reading today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 12 to 31, and it's on page 931 in your pew Bibles. Unity and diversity in the body. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there would be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Morning, everyone. Nice to be together. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I reckon it's lovely to be together. We could be here for a few hours, Ken. Thank you. Full permission from you. Yeah, wonderful opportunity each week just to be together. So make sure you hang around afterwards and um, spend some time encouraging and being encouraged. Let's um, ask the Lord for his help as we open his word together. We're really thankful, Father in heaven, that you've given us your word, your scriptures, for our encouragement, for our uh, correction, for our equipping. And may our hearts be very much like like the beautiful soft soil that uh, drinks up the rain 
uh, gobbles up the seed and produces fruit. We're looking to you, Lord, that we would be, that you would do great things in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in the midst of a series on the church. Um, The first one was um, that, that Jeff shared with us, Jesus is the builder of his church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Does that give you confidence? Yes. Jesus is the builder of his church. The second one was about the heart of the church, that God replaces our hearts. He takes the heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh. That um, he makes us people who can obey him. That the church is a collection of people whose hearts have been changed and whose hearts are being changed by grace. The third one was that we as the church are the temple of God and that Christ is the cornerstone and that um, we are filled, a people who are filled with his spirit. And today we come to the next Uh, way that God describes his church and that is as the body of Christ. What is it about us that makes us a body? Well, first of all, a body is joined to a head and we are those, if we are the church, if we're part of the church, then we are joined to Jesus as our head. If randomly my hand went up and slapped my face and you could see a look of shock and bewilderment in my eyes, then you would say that my body is not very normal. Because a normal body does what its head tells it to do. And so if this morning you have surrendered the leadership of your life to Jesus, then you are a part of the church. You are part of the body of Christ. If you, have, if you are yet to surrender that leadership to Jesus, then you are not yet part of the church. Um, earlier in chapter 12, Paul says, a person cannot have the Spirit of God and at the same time say, Jesus be cursed. And a person can't say, Jesus is Lord, except if they have the Spirit of God. So we're joined to the head, uh, Jesus. That's what makes us his body. He's our leader. Second of all, the body is one unit. It's a single entity and yet it is made up of thousands, millions of individual parts. And we are the church. We are one. And we have so many things, big things that make us one, that bring us together I'm going to um, mainly be sharing from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but I'm also, if you're wanting to follow along, sharing from Ephesians chapter 4. And verses 4 and 5 of Ephesians 4 says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We are are one. Amen? We are one and we are many. And no one here has the same fingerprint as me. And no one here has the same body shape and nose length and 
hair. Why did you laugh when I said nose length? <laughs> and number of hairs. The Lord knows how many numbers of hairs I have. He doesn't have to work very hard at that. But I'm very different from you and you're very different from the person sitting next to you. We are one and we are many. Unity and diversity, that's why we're called the body. And finally, we're called the body because just as your body and my body has been deliberately designed and arranged by the most brilliant, magnificent creator, our God, so that all the parts work together and in the right spot, so that my eyes are up here so I can see properly and my hands can do all the things that they can do and all the inner workings that you can't see that are uh, behind my skin are doing all their stuff that I don't even know aware that they're doing. Just such an incredible, brilliant, deliberately arranged... It's like Ken said, hello. Hello? (laughs) Look at the human body. Are we an accident? Of course not. But the church is the same. The church is deliberately arranged by God. God calls people into his church and he gifts people in his church and he does it deliberately in a specific way for a specific reason. And we're going to look at that a little bit later on. So that's what makes us the body. What is the purpose of the body? Let me read to you from Ephesians 4 again. It was he, that is Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, a little bit like the list that Belinda read for us from 1 Corinthians 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So God's purpose for the body is that we function as a unit, that we complement one another, that we work together, that we are one in heart, soul and mind in our knowledge of Jesus. A oneness of knowing Jesus together. And I call that fellowship. And that's what Ephesians says. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And knowledge is not that we all have the same doctrinal statement that we tick off, although doctrinal statements are important. It's good to be on the same page theologically. But knowledge goes beyond just what you know. Knowledge of Jesus is a knowing Jesus and a being known by Jesus. And knowing Jesus together is more than just a we're all standing and uh, saying, yes, I observe this about Jesus. It's this together adoration and worship of Jesus. And there is a bonding that goes on in a group of people who love and worship and know the same Jesus. There is an open-heartedness in knowing Jesus that works itself out in an open-heartedness towards one another. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I think this is what Jesus longs for in the congregation of Wagga Baptist is a people who are more and more experiencing 
intimate knowledge of him and are more and more opening our hearts and our lives to one another. Could you be on board with something like that, do you think? Jesus would have us be on board with that. And growth, that we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there is a growing into the stature, some versions say, of Christ. And uh, my son Caleb is playing the guitar here this morning and you would be excused for thinking, uh, I didn't know he was your son, he's tall. In fact, he's the tallest skews that I know. <laughs> he's probably the tallest skews that you know. I'm not upset by that. I love it. Because I remember when he was this tall. I'm going to cry in a minute if I'm not careful. But he has grown in stature. And this is what Christ's purpose for the church is, is that we go from being this big in our character and in our uh, competence and in our influence um, to this big, this big. There is a growth. There is a growth in Christ-likeness, in our character and in our deeds. And this is also what we are, why we are called the body of Christ and I call that holiness. Some people's view of holiness is just what we don't do. It's not true. James says that religion that God our Father finds pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It's what we don't do and it's what we do do and it's about becoming like Jesus. Okay? Introduction finished. How does this happen? We need to get practical about this. How is it that... Because you and I both... There's more than two of us here this morning. You and I all know that a congregation can be called a church because they call themselves by the name of Jesus and tick certain doctrinal um, beliefs and gather once or even twice a week or even more and there is not unity and there is not growth. Would you say that's true? Can be true? So obviously there is an opportunity for us to work with Christ towards the purpose for which he has made us a body. What are those things? First of all, Let's talk about our thoughts. Verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. What would the foot say? Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Isn't that sad? And yet I know that for myself, I can find myself feeling sad or less included or unimportant because I'm not like someone else. Can anyone relate to that? And Paul knows this. The Lord knows this. That's why it's in the Bible. Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. I have some encouragement for you. 
that if you're inclined to think that way, Jesus says that you would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. So what you think about yourself, no matter how much you demean yourself in your thoughts, Jesus says to you, you are part of my body. In fact, he says in verse 22, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I would encourage you this morning to capture those thoughts about yourself that would demean your value. To capture them in the sense that you recognise this is not a godly thought. This is a lie. And to instead agree with Jesus. Could you agree with Jesus this morning when he says to you that you are indispensable to me? Could you do that? You wouldn't want to grieve the heart of God. And neither do I. So let's agree with him that each of us are an important part of the body. But it's not just how we think about ourselves, it's also how we think about others. Verse 21, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. The church that Paul was writing to had Jews and Gentiles, slave and free. You could understand a person who's been a slave all their life could be inclined to think, I'm not as important as the free man. Would you understand that? And so there is a new thinking that needs to go on for the person who has thought too little of themselves because now Christ has raised them up and now they are equal with the free person. But you could also perhaps identify with the Jew who knows the scriptures, who's been born into the race of God's chosen people and has now got these Gentiles in the same congregation thinking, you could understand them thinking perhaps, you Gentiles, we understand that you believe in Jesus, it's fine for you to be with us but leave the running of the show to those who really know what they're talking about. And in the same way today, there can be an inclination in our hearts of others in the church to say, I could do without you. Even, I don't really like you. If you didn't come next time, I wouldn't be that upset. Do you think that might grieve the heart of God just as much as thinking too little of ourselves? I reckon. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So let's watch our thoughts. Second of all, let's look at our actions. Belinda read for us in verse 31, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts... It seems strange that Paul, after saying everyone is equally important, no matter how they seem, to then go on and say things like this. Verse 28, And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. 
It's like everyone's the same, but now I'm telling you what the hierarchy is. That's not what he's saying. Paul's talking to a church who are kind of falling over each other to prove how spiritual they are. And they've latched onto this gift of speaking in tongues. And when they gather together, they're all so keen for each other to know, I've got that gift too, that they're all just blurting out these tongues and no one even understands what anyone else is saying. Paul says, you've got a gift. Let me show you where that gift fits. And he places the gift of tongues at the end, whereas they've had it right at the top. Why? Because the gift of tongues, a wonderful gift, if it's on its own, it only benefits the person who's using it. Whereas apostles, prophets, teachers, these are the gifts that benefit many people. And Paul is saying, I want you to be eager for gifts, all kinds of gifts, but I want you to be especially eager for the gifts that are a blessing to the church, the ones that build up your brothers and sisters. So here's the first thing. I've got three E's for you in our actions. The first one is to eagerly seek to have and to develop gifts that build up the church and are a blessing to others. Amen? And this includes all sorts of gifts. He's got here gifts that are supernaturally activated by the Holy Spirit. He's got gifts that are um, positions of responsibility in the church. And he's got gifts that are natural abilities that are given over to God for the good of others. But let's be a church that are eager for gifts that build each other up. Amen? Second... E, first E, eagerly seek the gifts. Second E, encourage others in their gifting. We had a communication card last week from someone who said, I know someone who can really sing. Can you involve her? It's good. What can we see in one another? Sometimes because so many of us think low of ourselves, it's really helpful when someone else comes up to you and says... Have you thought about serving the Lord in this way? Do you realise that you are such a blessing in this way? Do you get the idea? Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. I wonder if one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Suffering or being honoured. I wonder if the kind of suffering Paul's talking about is when parts of the body are excluded or not valued. But when we encourage and affirm each other in our gifts, then every part rejoices with it. I used to be fairly, you might not know this about me, so I'm going to tell you, but I used to be a really fast runner at school. And um, every now and then I'd I'd win a race. And um, I didn't, at the end of the race, if someone gave me some encouraging words, good job, well done, I didn't say to them, Oh, don't thank me, thank my legs. (laughs) It wasn't really me out there, it was really just my legs that did that job. And we live in a country which has a bit of a culture of, if someone gets a bit too big for their boots, 
Let's just cut them down a couple of notches. Let's not be like that. If someone's got a gift, let's, fa- let's help to fan that into a flame. Let's affirm people in their gifts and give them every opportunity to shine. Amen? And um, if one party's honoured, then it benefits the whole body. And the third E is effort. From Ephesians again, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Christ wants Wagga Baptist Church to be a united congregation. And it's not just going to happen. Because we have personality clashes. We have different preferences. We don't all think the same way. We rub each other up the wrong way. And Paul says, Christ wants unity. His heart is for unity. And that means you're going to have to make some effort. The verse before, he says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. The other side of effort is that if you know you have a gift, it's very simple, use the gift. Combine your gifting with your energy and do something with it for the glory of God and for love of his church. Belinda didn't read the whole chapter, did you, Belinda? Where are you? Now eagerly seek the greater gifts, verse 31, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And that's the final thing this morning is the motive. We could have a church of people who know their gifts and who use them and for there still not to be unity and blessing. Why? Because the motive could be all wrong. I'm sure we all know in our own heart that the exercise of gifts doesn't always come out of a desire to honour Jesus and to bless others in love. So let's be honest about what's going on in our heart and let's embrace the love of Christ for his people and to seek the honour and glory of Jesus. And let's pray that these beautiful words from Ephesians come true through Wagga Baptist Church. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.